Hey everybody, Brian Zane here with another edition of Wrestling with Regret. Wait a minute, hang on. Where am I? This isn't this isn't YouTube. This isn't the Cinnabon. Where the hell am I? Gaming Street Irregulars? Well, I know a thing or two about gaming and certainly being irregular, but no, this is not my scene. I'm out of here. <laughs> Morning, good afternoon, good evening, good whatever time of day it is. Welcome once again to Gaming Street Irregulars. My name's James Iris, joined as always by Chrissy Harding. Hello. And welcome to the digital recording booth, our guest this week from the Lost Tangent Outpost YouTube channel. Please welcome Spada. Hi. Hi, everybody. How's it going? It's going wonderfully. We are thrilled to have you, especially in the wake of the recent end of the multiverse's closed alpha and the soon to be resuming of multiverse's gameplay with the open beta. Yes. Yeah. Coming soon. Yeah. We, we've been talking about that a lot in this channel, although the first podcast we did on that was recorded back in November. I only wow. got uploaded yesterday. No way. Oh my God. We have been so behind it. Yeah. Um... Yeah. Anxiety is not something I would wish on my worst enemy. <laughs> I know the feeling of anxiety. I know that feeling all too well. I'm I'm still hoping though at some point they will they will put the SWAT cats in this though. You know, it's like, funny. Um he uh James actually asked me to do a commission of Top Cat and for some reason my brain read that as SWAT cats. So that's what I thought that commission was going to be at first. So I was sitting here going in over in my head like, okay, which of the SWAT cats am I going to do because there's three of them and I need to pick one, right? And so anyways, uh, I went back and l referred back to the message and I was like, oh, he said Top Cat. Okay, that's way more, I, I know what that is. That's way easier to figure out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I'm watching the gameplay, especially from from yours and from Pemi, who from both Artificial Orange Studios and Lost Tangent Outposts and watching both of the gameplays and just, mm. the, I'm so glad they took the time into this game um, I am not a fiber game person, but man, now I really want to play this game. Like, yeah, <laughs> it's, when the open beta begins, Chrissy, I will have you over. It's just an amazing looking game. Like I am like, I hate, like, I'm not a fighting game person. Like I am a button masher to the extreme. Like you mm -hmm. give me a fighting game. I am just sitting there going, I'm just hitting buttons. I don't ask me to do combos. <laughs> don't ask me to do anything. Like I will. I will mash buttons. I will break your controller because <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. But just the animation and the art and mm -hmm. just the love you can feel into this game. Like, I really want to play it. And now I'm like, if they put Razor or T-Bone into this game, those are going to be my default characters because I feel they would fit so well into it. And I was a huge SWAT Cat fan when the cartoon on. I even still am a huge SWAT Cat fan now. Um, yeah, but yeah, yeah just I like mean, watching the videos, I'm like, oh my god, they have to put them in here somehow. I don't care how they do it. 
Like, I don't care. Real quick, wow. real quick before yeah, we get right, too far, yeah. uh, I want to mention know. the spot of that uh, Pemmy, Pembroke W. Corgi is the person I did that other commission I got from you for. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, uh, I should I, have linked you to some of his multiverses videos. Oh, yeah. I didn't realize that he was doing multiverses content. That's cool. Just a little, but okay. But he's done some. In fact, I've got a video up there on his channel on the subject, too, that was recorded way early. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, I, um, you know, I'm on a hiatus again, not on purpose, but it's, uh, I'm, I'm kind of conflicted about creating content about uh, with multiverses because of, you know, this, it hasn't been publicly talked about very much, but the, the leaks that happened at the end of the last playtest uh, leading into this one were pretty dramatic. I was kind of privy to a lot of that information before it started becoming like 4chan and uh, Reddit information. And so it made it really, really hard for me to like want to continue doing the living roster, knowing that there is quite a large amount of pertinent information, uh, or I I should say, uh, maybe more believable kind of information that's out there in the uh, in the ethos uh, on the internet. And so it made it really hard for me to want to keep doing the living roster because I don't want to be influenced by the things that I know. And then there's the other stuff about like the game itself that you know, I was in both closed play tests, but they were they were covered. They were very dramatically under NDA, and yeah. so with that being under NDA, I was really worried. There, there were a lot of things. There's a lot of things about the game and how it plays that are starting to really change the way I would predict characters appearing in the uh, in the game itself. So it's hard to explain exactly what, but you know, just different things like the way that they decided to go with Velma as opposed to. I don't know, literally any other Scooby-Doo character. And that's not a dig on Velma, but like no. I would have I would have not picked Velma out, off of, out of a hat thinking or, you know, out, out of a lineup for characters with a viable fighting game move list. Now they made her viable and she's fantastic, but I mean, I would have gone with Scooby or Fred <laughs> before. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Velma's kind of become a Phoenix Wright type character. Well, she, it, she actually is very obviously to me influenced by phoenix right and that's uh to to go back to what chrissy was saying earlier about like the love and attention that's been given to these characters and i've talked to tony a little bit privately uh and some on discord a little bit on twitter we we've had some communication back and forth tony the the co-director or the the director the lead game director but the co-creator of uh, uh player first studios or player first games we've had conversations about like the way they're picking roster and picking characters but like the time that they're putting in and it's very clear from literally what he says but just filling you know uh reading between the lines that he's he's insanely passionate about this project but he's also insanely passionate about what it means and uh i don't know how much of the information he's publicly talked about so like as far as you know like how multiverses came about but it's not what people expect you know a lot of people are going around um there's a YouTuber. I don't, I never remember his name, but he's really prominent for what is it? He basically analyzes video game animation and offers feedback. Uh, most of the time it's very critical feedback. So he's like, he very, he's very critical of NetherRealm Studios games of Mortal Kombat 11 and Injustice and Mortal Kombat MKX and all the rest of them. And so he's very, very critical on like the way that they do animations. Now that's a whole different conversation for sure, but he's very critical of that. So I'm not a subscriber of his channel. I've seen his content. Um, but when Multiverse is the most recent open 
playtest or uh, or not open but closed uh, alpha that they were allowed to that we were allowed to share gameplay from came out he participated in it and he made a video talking about how he saw it originally as just this major cash grab by Warner Brothers to just do whatever they could to just generate revenue and I don't think that that is a fair assumption of multiverses. I do believe very strongly that multiverses is very intentional. And it's that from the developer standpoint, not from the WB standpoint, from the developer standpoint, it's very intentional. And uh, it's coming from a place of them wanting, uh, like dreaming up a game and trying to bring that to life with the support of WB, as opposed to WB finding a new developer to develop a money, a cash grab, if that makes sense. Now, we're not going to get into any of the leaks, but suffice to say, there are some kaiju-sized information pieces out there. Yeah, I don't want to talk about the leaks. I was just making sure that I put it out there. That was the reason that I've kind of drawn away from the living roster as much as I have, because it's very hard with that kind of information to know what to do and having respect for the developers themselves. But I have... Um, I actually took a live stream down during uh, th- during the last beta. We li- I live streamed it with uh, with Soups and with my wife and with uh, uh, Ethan uh, Filler, one of the uh, another subscriber and uh, friend of the channel. And the leaks came up in that stream, and because of that, even though we didn't discuss the leaks specifically, like what was in the leaks, it's still uh, on the chat log. It's it well. It's not even that it was in the chat log. The conversation was floating around, and I'm very sensitive to that. So I just wanted to. I just squashed the video. It's on the channel unlisted, but it's completely like I'm not gonna. It's not gonna go live again because Fair I enough. don't. I don't want to take any potential. I, I don't want there to be any potential that I don't know um, that it could affect things for them. Even though I'm a small channel, I just don't want to even chance it. No, and that's and that's fair. We are going to take a very short break. When we return, we're going to get into some of the origins of the Lost Tangent Outpost and some of Spada's formative gaming memories and the like. (laughs) So stay tuned. started how long have you been creating videos spada i see your the lost tangent outpost got started in 2016 but from the sound of your background you've been creating for far longer uh yeah i mean if you wanted to look up like my my actual name justin um <laughs> uh freehill and like go dig through uh youtube you could probably find a several several uh channels that i've created to start content of all different kinds i've been making i've been doing video editing since i was I don't know, 15, 16 years old. Oh my uh, and I'm 34 now to put that in perspective. So, uh, but I got into editing videos on a whim and it was something I fell in love with. And so it's just been one of those things that I've always wanted to find a way to use a skill that I've wanted to develop and, and have an excuse to use. But uh, Lost Tangent Outpost started in 2016, originally a screen break entertainment. And back at that time, my idea was to try to do a No Man's Sky channel. Uh, but that that game and me doing content for that game was really rough. And so uh, 
when it came out anyways. And then I, I had always had the living roster sitting in the back of my mind as an idea for content, but starting in like 2011 or 2012. And so I, with Injustice 2 was coming out at that time, I was like super hyped to try to find a way to use uh, that concept with uh, Injustice 2. And that's basically where like the channel as we know it now kind of got birthed out of. All right. Well, that actually answers my next question, which was what inspired the living roster idea. Well, to be specific about what inspired it, I like to speculate. You know, I, I, it's I, I, a lot of us do on the internet. It's fun uh, to speculate about stuff. But I thought, you know, I would see those uh, YouTube videos back in like any time a new fighting game was announced where they'd be like, oh, full roster revealed. And it's just like some bogus leak or something like that that they're talking about. But they would use a character selection screen and put in like a bunch of Google image search results into the character selection screen. And it gave me this idea that what if you used that idea for like designing a character select screen, but you left it to the community of the channel and the host of the videos or, or content maker uh, themselves to, I don't know, uh, develop a prediction itself as opposed to, I don't know, uh, whatever you would call those kinds of videos that were done before and wish list videos and stuff like that. But okay. that, that was the idea that that basically started or spawned what what is now the the living roster now i imagine i don't have to ask what the most disappointing outcome was from that series because i remember <laughs> the build-up from marvel versus capcom infinite very well <laughs> and i remember the wet turd that we got <laughs> you know i'm pretty def I, I i'm i'm pretty quick to defend marvel versus capcom infinite for what it is as a game like as far as the the as a fighting game I'm very sympathetic to people like Chrissy. Most of my, everybody I know actually in person, uh, like the, the people I know in my real life do not uh, play fighting games like that. So it's very, uh, I'm very sympathetic to that uh, mentality about fighting games. But from a mechanic standpoint, I think Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite has a lot to offer. And there's a lot in that game that people could learn from. But as far as like the roster itself, without a doubt, it is one of the most disappointing fighting game rosters, like, I don't know, almost ever. When you consider the wealth of background that they have going into Marvel versus Capcom. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like, I like with me. I'm like, like I said, fighting games are not my genre. So if someone comes up, it's like, oh my god, that's the most disappointing fighting game ever. I'm like, mm -hmm. <laughs> like I'll take your word for it. I'm still gonna play the game. Like, like yeah. that's a, like I guess like for games like that, like maybe I'm I'm the perfect person to try it out because I'm like. I have no frame of reference. Like I've played Injustice. I played mm -hmm. Injustice 2. Actually, when I used to work for AOL and tech support, we used to settle disputes among the techs by playing <laughs> Injustice and Injustice 2. That was actually how we used to settle disputes. Was, That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. So, and I mean, this was bad. This was in 2016. Like we had like, I will say this, everyone you see, I mean, when I tell people I worked for AOL, first thing is like, what? They were still around? <laughs> and we we were. We were assisted by AOL. We were, mm -hmm. you were US-based tech support. And I can say this now because unfortunately we were no longer around because no one wanted to sign up for US-based tech support service because we were expensive. <laughs> sure. So y'all got yourself to blame for that, people. <laughs> but they gave us a tech room with all up-to-date tech equipment. So if you call with anything that was broken we had it right there so if you call with the newest iphone we had the newest iphone mm -hmm. to work with so 
we had all the gaming systems. So anytime someone had an issue, you know, but if there were two techs that had a fight with each other, the word you went into the room, you picked the, <laughs> you picked the gaming system and you fought on the gaming system. That's how you settled your disputes. I like it. <laughs> yeah. That's how we used to, you know, you got your aggression out and whoever, you know, didn't, Mostly, by the time you finished a couple of rounds, you forgot what you were fighting about. So yeah, that's that's not a bad idea. I think that's no, it a, really wasn't. You started fighting about something else entirely. Exactly. <laughs> and at that point, it was something so petty that at that point, like we would come back out arguing who was better at the game, and you yeah, know, right. Boss, yeah, the boss would just be like, "Are you done? Are you guys done? You're fighting over who who's better in, in injustice. Fine, get your butts back in there, and I'll show you who's better at injustice because all our butts at it." And, um, and then uh, Gritzy would awesome. start spamming headbutts. Pretty much, I was man. Let me tell you, I could play Batman. I could beat you with head with headbutting. Like that Heck was yeah, the one man. move. That Absolutely. was the move I was good at. Um, forward two, forward two, forward, all yep. day. I could just do that. <laughs> that was the only combo I knew. Yeah, man, I like that. It's a you set up the bats. You can do some really interesting stuff with that. Uh, <laughs> I could just spam that all day. You know, I love that, injustice. Yeah, it was such a good game. And then like. Once I started like actually watching some videos and realizing, oh wait, there's a storyline. Yeah. <laughs> like I, I think that was the biggest revelation that I learned like in 2016 was with most fighting games, there were actually were storylines to them. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, didn't I mean, realize that. that's it's actually. I mean, we really do have NetherRealm Studios to thank for that because they're the even going back to when they were. Uh, just part of Midway and the original mm -hmm. Mortal Kombat, they put way more effort into developing a world and a story yeah. than any uh, fighting game. Well, there weren't that many at the time, but even compared to Street Fighter, which I mean, I think I don't think this is controversial. The Street Fighter story is kind of uh, silly, like weird. A little um, bit. Yeah, yeah it's, 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 it's I'm sorry. You have Zangief doing a traditional Russian dance with <laughs> President Gorbachev. I don't think you get any stranger than that. Yeah. I don't see that yeah. happening today with Vladimir Putin. <laughs> I'm sorry. Man, I think that game would end up being banned right away. Uh, or, pretty at least much. Not, <laughs> or at least uh, uh, being a controversial game uh, were that to, mm -hmm. to be the case. But yeah, I mean, I think NetherRealm uh, has always put a lot of effort into their story. And yes, their story is also strange and zany, but they are putting effort into it. They're trying to yeah. build a world with the lore and characters. And so I've always really respected and appreciated what they bring to like narratives in fighting games. But you're not wrong to like be surprised by that by any means. Most fighting games are basically a bunch of martial artists show up to a tournament that saves the world. That's it. Done. Yeah. And that's, that's the, that's Tekken dead or alive uh that's street fighter i mean that's basically all of them yeah soul caliber is an exception to that yeah i mean like when we did um king of fighters oh sure yeah we, yeah and and i actually and we did the um orochi i i'm a leona fan now like we okay because <laughs> we actually watched he i went to james's we played it we watched it mm -hmm. i'm now a leona fan because i really like her because she, she's kick butt <laughs> You know, and that was, that's one of the things that I, I like, I, I like them now. I like, I, I like fighting games now. Like, but I mean, even still now, if you can up to be like, oh my God, the didn't, how do you feel about the different dynamics and techniques and and I'd be like, it's a fighting game. Yeah. I mean, fighting games are hard, right? Because yeah. 
<laughs> they, they, I mean, it takes some skill. You could talk for hours on just the difficulty on, uh, on what, on fighting games themselves. But when you think something, when you take something like multiverses, just to, you know, bring it back to, uh, to that, you know, that I think that the, what makes fighting games relevant to people, regardless of, you know, the barrier for entry, the skill that it requires to be competent at them or to at least compete uh, online or play with friends or whatever at a, at a level where you feel good about what you're doing. A game like Multiverses is a fantastic bridge for both the casual and the hardcore audience because you do have a game that very clearly has passion and effort and thought put into the character designs and the character move list. So even if somebody that's not a fighting game pro is playing as Velma and they realize, oh, if I do this enough times, I can get them arrested by the cops and I get a free KO out of that. That in and of itself brings levity and fun and enjoyment to the game mm -hmm. as opposed to, you know, have being forced to sit there and like, okay, so I've got to go down, down, forward, forward, heavy punch. And then a fireball comes out and then, you know, forward, down, down, forward, and then I can do a, 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 a uppercut thingy. You know, when you take a game like Street Fighter that's really complicated with its inputs, it's already complicated. So removing yeah. all the other things like fundamentals and everything out of it. But then you take a game like Multiverses that has way more simplified inputs with characters that people know and are, care about and they're excited to see what they can do. I think that really does a great job of bridging that gap in audiences between the casual and hardcore. So I, I think it's not entirely surprising, but also really awesome to see someone that's not super into fighting games get enthusiastic about something like multiverses. Yeah, and, and those I, aren't even the most complex controller motions I can think of. Uh, oh, no. Just look uh, up the Raging Storm one of these days, Spada. Yeah. Oh, no. I mean, okay. So King of Fighters is a great example of really complicated inputs or even Samurai Showdown where you've got like quarter circle back, half circle forward, or quarter circle zigzags and all kinds of wild stuff. But the, the game you just mentioned, I'm not familiar with. So the, I'm, yeah, I'm the sure. Ra Raging Storm is one of the super moves for Geese Howard. Oh, King shit. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. My, my experience with King of Fighters is fairly limited. I've played it, but not enough to be like, to know all the, the, the special names and <laughs> super names and stuff like that. But yeah, King of Fighters. Maybe, maybe getting into that can be a new series for you. <laughs> yeah, I bet you it could. Uh, though, uh, uh, I think it's kind of hard to take off uh, with content about fighting games, especially if you're not very good at them, uh, like myself. Fair. <laughs> So I actually, do, um, I do want to ask you actually to go into this, not to take off from the fighting games and stuff, but what sure actually no. inspired you to start Lost Tangent Outpost? Cause you did have other YouTube channels, as you mentioned. So mm -hmm. what brought yeah. you into actually creating a whole new one in 2016? Um, it's actually, it's, it, it's kind of a story. Uh, basically it, you know, at the time in 2015, 2016, I was, I was working at Apple and uh, I loved my job for years at Apple, and it reached a point where I was moved into an area of the company that I wasn't enjoying and I wasn't happy with, and I wasn't happy with like the way things were going for me. It wasn't like a company-wide problem. It was just specifically my situation. And uh, it was one of those things where I'm sure we've all been there where you go to work every day and you're just dreading going to work. And my dad owned a company that was 
fairly successful. And I'm sorry if you guys can hear my kids in the background, uh, but uh, I, um, I have a I have a baby and or a toddler and a seven year old, so uh, the two of them can be a little loud. I'm trying to uh, minimize. Well, that's them. fine. We've had dogs <laughs> snoring in the background in the past. Oh, that's yeah, fun. The, yeah, the first season <laughs> when my German Shepherd was alive, and he used to lay next to me, and you would have him snoring. <laughs> That's awesome, he, though. Because we would start, and then he would just start snoring. In the first <laughs> few episodes, you can hear him in the background snoring. Oh, that's cute. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but sure. see, my dad had this company, and he was really successful, and he had a lot of like money, right? And uh, we were having this conversation in passing for months where we would go do something, and he would be like, you know, I, I hear this thing like streaming and YouTube is making people a lot of money these days. And I was like, yeah, if you can take off a channel, it it can work. And so we had these conversations for months and eventually it came up where he basically offered to sponsor me. Um, he said, I'll give you two years. I will cover your expenses. I'll make sure that you can, you can live and pay your bills and, and take care of groceries and provide for your wife and your son and, um, and all of that. But, uh, but you, the goal at the end of that is at the end of those two years, I need you to have a channel that is self-sustained. And, uh, so that was my goal. Uh, I, I started 2016 with the explicit goal to create a YouTube channel that would become eventually successful, knowing full well that it's not easy and that it's a grind. And so I went full time, head uh, full bore, head first into making content. And like I said, I started with No Man's Sky and that game. I thought for sure that was a successful route to go because, uh, you know, it was a new game. There wasn't a lot of people that were making content about it. And so it felt like this was a really good way to start. And it was before the game had come out. So there was still a lot of speculation. So I felt like I had a really good place, a, a very good. Uh, I felt like it would be a good starting point for the channel. And uh, it didn't go very well. I got views and some of my stuff got like randomly shared on Reddit and, you know, like a I would get like 100 or 200 views on the video or something. And I thought that was like super cool, but it just wasn't enough to to really get any major success. And then when the game finally came out and I live streamed reaching the center of the galaxy or uh, whatever it was, and it was that wasn't that series wasn't successful either. I just was like, OK, well, this isn't going to be the game to do this off of. I've got to figure something out. And so Injustice 2 had been announced, but not a lot of content uh, had come out about it. There was just the like the initial trailer that had come out, the gameplay trailer and the reveal trailer, uh, the cinematic reveal trailer. And I figured okay, this is where I, this is where I can start. And so I started the living roster and it was immediately doing better numbers than No Man's Sky. And frankly, I mean, it was the channel saw when it, between Injustice and Marvel versus Capcom Infinite, both of those games gave me major spikes in the channel. And there was a point where I was live streaming to 200 to 300 people at a time. And on really, really crazy circumstances, I was streaming to like 2000 or 3000 people when the Justice League trailer came out. Oh, and uh, it was an insane, uh, stream. Uh, I'll never forget that stream. I got an insane amount of my subscriber count went from like a thousand five hundred to like 3000 in the matter of two hours, because I was the only person that was doing, it, and I was doing a live reaction to the trailer and breaking it down and talking with the chat and everything. And I, you know, I, there was a really good route for success at that point. And then, uh, around 2018, uh, my dad's company started having some problems and uh, he reached out to me. It was toward the end of 2017, beginning of 2018. I don't remember the exact date, but he reached out to me and he was like, look, man, I, I not only can I not afford to keep doing what we're doing here, but I need help. 
And, you know, there was a choice to either go back to Apple and do what I was doing. I left on good terms. There was no reason that I couldn't go back or go help my dad try to get his business up and running again and, um, and do and more successful again. And so that's where we're at. That's where, where, where I've been since is working with my dad. And so the channel has had to go on the back burner. I've continued to try to make content. Uh, but it's very hard when you're working 40 to 60 hours a week, depending on, you know, whatever the workload is, and then coming home to your family to make sure everybody eats and make sure everybody uh, goes to bed on time and bathes and all the rest of those things. And then to still try to find a way to spend time with my wife and create content for a channel. So it was really, really difficult to juggle. So I went on like a full on hiatus about a year ago, a year and a half ago. And only recently in the last six months have I started trying to make content again, but it's pretty hard uh, to, to do all that. So it's between the, the leaks and everything else that have happened with multiverses, but then having a wealth of like hobbies like I do, like I like to draw and 3D model and I've toyed with game design and stuff like that with all these different things. It's very hard to maintain a channel at the same time uh, and in a way that uh, that allows that channel to grow. But I've never forgotten about Lost Tangent. It's still something that I myself and my partner, uh, uh, Soups, really, really want to continue making content for. It's just about having time and, and um, uh, hey, that's having the truth. ideas. <laughs> yes. And speaking about game design, um, I did see you actually had a video up. You actually were designing your own Warcraft, World of Warcraft <laughs> fighting game. Yeah. Uh, and that actually kind of looked kind of cool. Thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, yeah, I used Mugen. I've toyed around with game design for years, years and years and years. Um, but I'm not like a master coder or any mm -hmm. of that kind of stuff. I just toy around with stuff. I like I went to the Art Institute for web design. So I know like mm -hmm. a bare minimum amount of like HTML and CSS. Um, so, you know, I've learned a little bit of coding and stuff. But basically, I had this idea for uh, a buddy of mine is a Mugen developer. He just makes a bunch of crazy Mugen content. A lot of his stuff has gone viral, mm -hmm. like just creating weird, crazy like Mugen concepts. But I reached out to him and I asked him if I could find a way to give you 3D models or sprites of 3D models, do you think you could make a game out of World of Warcraft? And uh, he's like, yeah, it seems totally plausible. So uh, I had this idea and then I never pushed it with him. And then I just decided to give it a shot myself, even though I had no idea how to use Mugen. So I watched like hours of tutorials and went real to quick. Box. I just yeah. want to jump in and mention for the, uh, People out there who might not know, Mugen is an open source fighting game creation engine. Oh, yes, I should. Probably <laughs> <My bad>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, Mugen is an is a fighting game is an engine for video game development that is explicitly intended for fighting games. So whereas most video game, most game engines, you have to basically manipulate them to interpret fighting game stuff like hit boxes and hurt boxes and stuff like that differently than they would in a regular like adventure or RPG type game. Mugen is developed from that standpoint explicitly. So it's uh, it, it knows exactly what to do with frame data and hit boxes and collision boxes and all these different things. The two point, it's got a 2D plane that it works from like old school Street Fighter and stuff. So it just works out of the box for that kind of thing. It's very, very straightforward development compared to something like Unreal or Unity or something along those lines. But yeah, I, I just spent some time. I made a video. It's on the channel. Um, yeah, that, I was watching it. It's like 11 it. minutes. Okay, cool. Yeah. Uh, where I kind of 
lightly broke down what my process was to try to try to create it. But yeah, it, it, it's not finished. Not even the character that I made Thrall is finished. I gave him a three button move set and uh, even the third button doesn't have a jump attack. <laughs> so I've just completely it, it's just it went I worked on it for like two and a half months and uh, I just I have this problem with hobbies where I just get distracted. Yeah. I actually send it over to my, my cousin, Michael, um, who actually worked on the most recent Call of Duty. I, I no shit, it really cool. I was like, Michael, you got to check this out. And he he sent it back. He goes, holy shit, I totally would play this. <laughs> That's <laughs> he awesome. Was, he's, he's like, is it up? I was like, no, I don't think it's done yet. He's just like, oh my God, I would totally play this. He's like, find <laughs> out if it's up. And I'm like, I will. So we're interviewing him on Sunday. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, he was just like, I don't know if it's up. And I'm like, I will. Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I haven't made any further progress from what was in that video. It's just that video is where I stopped. Uh, where that is, where the, it was in that video, that's where it is. Um, yeah. Because like, I saw it, I'm like, oh my God, I got to show my, like, because the first time when I saw it, I'm like, I have to send this to my cousin, Michael DeFranco. And I was like, Michael, check this out. And he's just like, holy <laughs> shit. Because he's, he's cause cool. like I said, he because he just finished um, the most recent Call of Duty, which was totally awesome because I didn't know he was working on it. Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah. And like, yeah. And he was just like, oh, my God, is it up? Because he's huge yeah. into World of Warcraft. We actually have two members of the board for FC3, actually three, our head of security and the head of our talent, our head of our talent and our um, our former vice president, now head of our media branch, who are heavily, heavily into playing World of Warcraft. Oh, that's um, awesome. Yeah, me too. Yeah, so, I'm, I'm a huge nerd <laughs> for World of Warcraft. Yeah. So we, so when I saw it too, I'm like, oh my God, they would totally love this too. But like, yeah, no, he was just like, I mean, he was just like, find out. Like he getting like, he even texted me yesterday while I was at Celtic Festival and he's just like, find out. And I'm like, dude, it's tomorrow. Shut up. <laughs> like, I mean, look, I will I'll throw it you. out there. Yeah. I will throw it out there. I have uh, I, I have looked for people to help with it. If mm -hmm. I had if I had uh, some helping hands uh, that could like help me capture because the process is really really complicated. You have to get the 3D model into this uh, this program. Uh, wall, wow model viewer. It's pretty easy to get a hold of, but you have to get the character in there, and then you have to equip them with the right weapon, and then you have to capture the animation in a frame by frame rate. So I'm literally taking screenshots from my mm -hmm. computer of them of the character on a flat color background and then throwing it into the into photoshop to then create uh, a file system uh to basically to create the frames of animation and then i'm taking each one of those frames and throwing it into mugen to then yeah. develop that into like a single attack or a single move and um genuinely it's it's a super involved super complicated uh, simple compared to other types of game development, but it's it, it's a lot for one person to do. And the amount of work that I put in for just to get Thrall to the Thrall, point that he's yeah. at and to get the the stages looking like they did and to get the health bars and everything. It was a lot of uh, a lot of work, a lot of downtime while I was running a machine to yeah. to get to that point. And it's just it's super daunting. And so I have put it out there. Like if anybody wants to help, like be a be a part of like bounce ideas off of and help me kind of get images and stuff like that. I'm I'd love to like develop it further. I've I've shared it quite a few places and, and quite a few people have shown interest in it. So I'd love to do more with it. But um, first of all, Blizzard is real quick to to smack you over the head with a DMCA um, oh, yeah. or something to the, to the effect. Oh, the, so the, that's, the, 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 the cease and desist. 
Yeah, yeah. I, which cool. I learned actually quite recently from someone that all a decease and desist letter is just a really fancy letter. It doesn't actually, it has actual No, it, it, it has no yeah, legal not meaning behind it. Yeah, it it's a warning. Legal. Yeah, it's all it yeah, is. Yeah, it's, it's like, Stop, yeah. stop, stop. Yeah, please stop doing this before I have to go into litigation with you. Yeah. yeah. It's a, they really don't um, want to, but it's like, dude, I'll sell it to you. Like Yeah, well, that that was my proposition. Hire like, me. Have, it, it's it's actually funny that you say that because I have a buddy who's in the fighting game community named uh he goes by Tekken Tim. That's what most people know him by, but mm-hmm. he's been a high-level Tekken player for like, I don't know, a long time. And he and I have been friends since like 2012. And uh he saw it and reached out to me privately privately. He's like, Man, I have a friend at Blizzard. Can I show this to them? And I was like, sure, go ahead. And so he did. And he came back to me, he's like, Man, he really likes it. And I was like, cool give it to him. Like, I'll give you the files. You guys can take it. Like he can take it and do like, I don't want to be the person to have to do this. I just think that Warcraft is a world that deserves a fighting game, just like League of Legends is doing now. And, uh, you know, I just think that it's right for that opportunity. And uh, I'm disappointed that Blizzard has never decided to, to, to go down that path. Um, And it's, made worse by the fact that in overwatch 2 there is uh i've only seen i haven't played it i don't know anything about it other than i've seen this screenshot of arcades in one of their levels and in the arcade is uh heroes of battle or something to that fact it's something to that effect and it's literally got characters from world of warcraft as a 2d sprite in a fighting game cabinet like like <laughs> as, as if it's a fighting game so they're teasing me at this yes, point. that saying, stage has been in overwatch since the beginning Oh, has yeah. it? Yeah. So it just feels like a straight up, like it just, I don't play it, so I don't know, but like, it just feels like a, they're making fun of me at this point that <laughs> this it's could, like how, it's like, you're sticking your tongue out at me at this point. Like how dare yeah, you? Right. You're teasing me. You're making it, you're being rude now at this point. Yeah. And <laughs> anyways, but yeah, I just think that War- Warcraft is a really cool property and they could do fighting games out of it. Um, and they haven't. So it's pretty disappointing, but like I said, like I love working on that. I think it was a lot of fun and I would love to continue working on it, but it's just hard to do that when there's just so many other things to be done. (laughs) I want to circle back real quick to injustice Mm -hmm. Two. Okay. It's a great game mechanically, but the story I find, I just can never get into it. And it all Mm. comes down to Superman for me. Mm -hmm. I just, I just can't invest in evil Superman to save I get my it. life. Yeah, I mean, I think when you think about it from like an Ed Boon perspective, right? Like Ed Boon being the creative, the creative lead on basically everything NRS does. Um, Ed Boon's got a dark personality, right? I think anybody that's been aware of Mortal Kombat for any number of years would be quick to realize that he's just that's who he is like he he wants to take he takes things and then he takes it down some dark dreadful path uh so i think for him it was a natural inclination to think of if i was going to do a fighting game with dc uh, the most fun villain would be superman but then how do you make villain a superman a villain and all the rest of those things so it falls in line for me that it would if ed boon was going to make a fighting game about dc that he would make superman a bad guy but i do agree and not only do i agree that it's weird that superman is a bad guy but it's also frustrating from the perspective of now that is now a central hook to so many narratives in the dc world to try to push superman down some evil path 
And it'd be one thing if Injustice was just on its own, but you've got like Zack Snyder went that route where, you know, Superman's super dark and, uh, you know, even the Justice League, Zack Snyder's Justice League was pushing him down that path as well, where like they've got those flashes of him being like in the black suit, like crying about Lois being dead and all the rest of it. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I agree with you as far as a narrative from a narrative perspective. It is weird to constantly see the hope, the beacon of hope be turned into like, I don't know. Uh, an evil dictator. But that's nothing new because there actually was a storyline in the DC comics. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe it was, I want to say it was done by Frank Miller, but I don't, I, I kind of remember who wrote the original storyline where it was Lois Lane dies. She gets killed and Superman fails at saving her. And it's mm. his grief. And I, and I don't know who, who, well, there somebody... is the Injustice comics. Yes. Right? You might be thinking of Kingdom Come. I want to um, think it's, it might be Kingdom Come. It was something in the 90s. Oh, okay. Fair enough. Yeah. Before all of this. Okay. I do fair remember, enough. Because yeah. I do remember in the 90s, it was a whole series. And it, was, it wasn't the mainline DC comics. It was, a, it was like a spinoff. Like how you know how they did um, Batman Year One? Where they did mm-hmm. a dark, darker version of Batman, made him grittier. Yeah, but it wasn't yeah. like mainline Batman. It was like off. It was like an offshoot of the Batman comics. Well, the Dark Knight Returns did that too. Yeah, where they they pushed him down a super dark. That was Frank Miller, and that was Frank Miller. Uh, I know that one was Frank Miller, but there was like another line with, where they did it with with Superman, where he becomes ultra dictator, um, where he takes a more hardline stance on crime, where he be, doesn't become the beacon of hope. He lines himself with Lex Luthor. Um, Interesting. He, yeah. yeah. I, I'm not as familiar with this, the, with this. Like, yeah. It was like the dark, it was like a, it was like the dark. Oh God. I'm trying to remember. Cause I remember it. Cause my cousin David was reading it. Um, okay. And I just remember sitting there looking at him and I'm like, because he's like, yeah, this is really dark. And I'm like, what is it? And he's like, he goes, well, it's, ba- it's Superman. Yeah, Superman's a good guy. He's like, no, Superman is most definitely not the good guy. <laughs> not this one. And we're like, what? Yeah, yeah. I remember that just like because I was young and I was just like, I was a Batman fan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, same. And it was like, yeah, it was like, a dark, it was like, you know, and he's like, no, this is a dark, dark guy. And it's like, no, this is dark. Like, Lois is dead. And like, we were like, what? And I'm trying yeah, to remember. Cool. Yeah, it was like it was like in the '90s, where I, it was. I'd have like, to look it up. Yeah, I'm, I yeah, I'm trying to. I'm actually trying to look it up now. Like, <laughs> like as, it, as you're thinking. Yeah, about it. like as I'm thinking about, it, I'm like trying to pull it up. Like, yeah, and they like brought it. Like it was just like an offshoot of the original. Com- it wasn't part of the main comics. It was. It was like like a, it was almost like a what if. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, what if well, this the, happened? Yeah, the else an else world story. I yeah. think, you know, that especially like I think Injustice is I don't so personally, I don't have like a problem with Injustice as a story as a whole, right? I do I I like because there there it's exploring a darkness in Batman that I think is worth exploring as well and that he's constantly looking for ways to take care of the heroes just in case that should ever become a problem. And with that being a central hook of the plot and because that's not necessarily new but with that being a central hook of that plot uh of injustice i think that's what makes in my opinion as a batman fan that's one of the things i enjoy about it but i will agree that as a story injustice is not super uh satisfying i think is the word for it it's not a very satisfying story as a whole it's passable 
for sure uh, for someone like myself. But I, I don't disagree with you, James, uh, that it is uh, that it leaves some something to be desired. <laughs> so let's go full circle back over to multiverses. Sure. I want to talk about a video idea I was going to suggest to you. That's some, something you could do content wise without stepping on the toes of any leaks or anything like that. Okay. What third party characters do you think are probable? Ooh, probable. Um, that's tough, right? Because the, the developers have gone out of their way, not just Tony, but many developers on the team have gone out of their way to express that it's not, they're willing and looking for opportunities to have characters that aren't WB owned. And so I think that, I think that it's pretty plausible that third party is going to happen. I think it comes down to what it's hard, right? Because it's, it's such a wide breadth of things that there could be. Cause we're, I mean, even in just in the tone of the game that's there, you have, Batman and um, Bugs Bunny, which is already a very big tonal difference. But then you also have Arya Stark, which is like from one of the most violent, graphic, sexualized television shows in the last decade. Right. So and that's not me knocking on Game of Thrones by any means, but they're all it's calling it what it is. Yeah. Right. So like that's that's just to say that's you're casting a wide net already just within the WB properties that they have access to. But then when you consider Outside of that range, I mean, for me, the most exciting third party, and I've, I've done a, a small, a short uh, living roster episode about this, but uh, my, the most exciting proposition for me is anime because there have been anime platform fighters uh, that were, uh, let's say, not awesome. Uh, we're oh, passable. We'll, I'll, I'll use the word passable. But I think there would be something really cool about seeing characters from like a whole different culture's media in American media. So taking, you know, let's say the big three, like Naruto, Bleacher, uh, One Piece, or Dragon Ball, or uh, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, or even something more, maybe a little bit more niche, niche like uh, Tinchi Muyo, or uh, Rio, not Ron so- Mahoff, perhaps? Yeah, sure. I mean, I'm, I was about to say Rurouni Kenshin, or I mean, there's just so many different anime. I Trigun. I mean, we could go down the list of anime that would be exciting to see in a game like this. But it's not just that I like the idea of having some Japanese culture brought into this Americanized uh, media fighting game platform fighter, but it's also this thing about the developers at Player First Games are so talented at taking a character and making that character. And I can't say this enough. The characters in multiverses feel in that game, like you would imagine a character that character should feel in a game like multiverses. So Bugs Bunny plays like you would expect Bugs Bunny to play. Batman is a little unusual compared to like other fighting games that he's been in, but even still Batman plays like you would kind of assume Batman would should play in a, a in a platform fighter and Arya Stark the what they did to bring her into this game is remarkable uh, it's nothing short of remarkable so i think that there is something about the the team at player first games that absolutely uh, it's the perfect team to envision 
to tr to entrust that's the word i'm looking for to entrust these kinds of characters being implemented into a game like multiverses but as far as a video series about third party characters in general there's i could i could do so many videos <laughs> yeah. about horror movies and anime and cartoons and i mean so many uh the, well, i, I have give a, you a starting point for the cartoons pretty easily Oh yeah, I've been on a kick for this one character. We've been doing him for the cartoon podcast and Warner already has an interest in this because they hold the rights to his old theatrical shorts. Popeye. Popeye. Yeah. You know, he's actually on my, I have a spreadsheet of living roster potential characters that, that I made early on and I, I've just added to it. And Popeye is one of those characters. Uh, MGM is at least some of the properties are partially owned by Warner brothers or at least uh, they have distribution rights for some of those characters. So Popeye is absolutely uh, one of those characters that's on my list uh, to have made a to have included in a living roster at some point or another. But I'm not sure if he qualifies as first party or third party because the MGM acquisition from Warner Brothers that took place in I think the 80s or 90s. Yeah. Um, it's kind Pictures of are the people who hold the trademark for Popeye okay. via the okay. original Symbol Theater comic. Okay, fair enough. Because, I mean, Tom and Jerry were created at MGM Studios and they were created as an answer to uh, or, or as an answer to Looney Tunes. MGM was trying to get into the animation thing that was going on between Looney Tunes and uh, uh, Merry Melodies. Uh, or not, Sorry, Merry, <laughs> Merry Melodies is Looney Tunes. I'm sorry. Right. Uh, uh, the I'm tr I'm trying to remember what they called uh, the the early uh, Disney animations. Silly uh, symphonies. That's what it was. Silly symphonies. Thank you. <laughs> so yeah, I I think that there's just a there's so many characters that that you could pull from, but MGM specifically, uh, Tom and Jerry fell over to Warner Brothers after that MGM acquisition or whatever. Right. It was. Uh, Popeye's cartoons were distributed through Paramount. Really. Yeah, but uh, there's some very complicated dealings with the rights where they wound up with another firm that also wound up holding some of the old black and white Looney Tunes that then got colorized, and some of those Popeye cartoons got colorized too, and then Warner picked up that library to get their cartoons back, but wound up with Popeye 2 in, in, in the process. Interesting. I'm gonna have they, to do more do more research and more history uh, research on like all the stuff that Warner has done over the course of the last like seventy years, eighty years, yeah. uh, to acquire different characters and stuff. I had actually a friend of mine uh, who was we were talking about the multiverse and he was looking into everything and he was like, you know, it'd be awesome to see them do because they own the rights to the because they own the channel. And he's like, it would just be hilarious just to do it as downloadable content was the Food Network and the Cooking Network and some of the hosts that are on those shows. Oh, my goodness, dude. Uh, that, well, that, that would actually bring the opportunity specifically for one of my YouTube channel, one of my favorite YouTube channels, uh, Good Mythical Morning, because uh, Link, and, uh, <laughs> Link and Rhett are now on Food Network, I think. <laughs> yeah. Admittedly, Kitchen Stadium would make a great stage. It would. Could you just, well, could you, well, now they don't own, though they, well, you would have to use the old Iron Chef because technically the new Iron Chef is now owned by Netflix. Um, oh, because interesting. They gave up, because they gave up the rights and now the new Iron Chef is on Netflix. Um, but I was sitting there like, could you imagine, because Alton Brown has been on Scooby-Doo. Could you imagine That's Cutthroat Kitchen? Could you imagine Cutthroat Kitchen as a stage? 
You know, I'd have to I'd have to re defer to my wife, who's more of the the Food Network TLC channel watcher. Yeah, my son and my wife get in, really into that stuff uh, more so than I do. I do watch some of it occasionally, but be, I do be think Bobby, it would be, be Bobby fun. Flay would take on a whole new meaning. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. That's <laughs> and Chrissy, you just got me thinking, re oh, remembering no. that that uh, now that Discovery and Warner are one, and Discovery oh, has. Point holds on to the Mythbusters. Oh my god, Adam knockout animation of the old busted plate. Mm. Oh that my god, perfect. yes. Yeah, that would be cool. That would be awesome as like as something you could earn. Like as you as you play and you can earn points and stuff as like something you mm -hmm. can use to add as like a customization is to have that's the one of the things they're play. doing in multiverses. You've got a knockout mm -hmm. animation of Dark Side's Omega Beam You've got a knockout mm -hmm. animation of Spike from Tom and Jerry's jumping up to bite things. Mm -hmm. Got animation of that... uh, the Fire Princess from Adventure Time. Yeah, you got the Banana Guards. There's a a wealth of extra content in the game that aren't playable characters, but that are as you're as you guys have pointed out these uh, accessories that you can mm -hmm. use to customize your 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 profile and stuff. And among those things are things that you know, maybe are a little bit less, let's say, uh, a little bit uh, less like character specific friendly for uh, like in implementing as a character. But I mean, they have like Green Lantern knockouts. They have the, as you pointed out, Dark Side. They have uh, Wily e. Coyote, uh, Porky Pig. Um, uh, they've got Ice Princess and I think the Lich King is in there too. Uh, mm -hmm. they're, they're, I mean, there's, there's a insane wealth of just smaller elements of properties that are already in there and they've already said before that there are some properties that may or that may end up included that won't have representation as a character but will have representation ex explicitly as like a customization option so in, to, to go along with that one of the things i hope for is i really 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 want a uh, wizard of oz stage that has the emerald castle in the background and I don't care to have any of the characters from the from the movie or anything in the game, but I do think it's a missed opportunity to not have, you know, the Emerald City in the background. Absolutely, oh, yeah. Just to be able to like customize the background would be awesome. Like you don't have oh, that to would have be cool characters too. in the game, but like any of the old movies or TV shows. Mm -hmm. Like, could you just imagine having like Jurassic Park in the background and having like raptors in the background cheering you on? Like oh, something, so cool. something silly like that. Like just like yeah, having them absolutely. back there with like signs getting like go or whatever. Like, like how they did with the Lego, like with the Lego Jurassic Park game, where if you, if mm -hmm. you unlocked a certain part, the chase scenes went from you being in the vehicle to the raptors are the ones driving the car. <laughs> which, which was, which actually is hilarious. Which points out it, that that brings up the fact that there's a, now a Lego platform fighting game coming out, and I haven't seen almost anything about it other than the announcement trailer. I think there is some gameplay footage that's been uploaded somewhere. Yeah, I think at the moment it's only on uh, Apple Arcade. Wait, yeah. really? I thought that I thought for sure that was going to be something more than that. It's oh, just it, going to it, be. It's going to become something more than that. Just right now, that's where it's oh, isolated. Okay. At least that's what, what I remember. I could very well be wrong. Yeah, I just think it it's uh, one of the ideas from the discord server for like Lego to get into multiverses was to do them like me fighters are done in smash, which I thought was an ingenious concept oh, basically absolutely. to have 
you know, just this blank slate of a Lego character. And then you pick from like one of four move sets to provide to them with. And then you get to customize them with a list of items um, the same way you can with like me fighters. But they were talking about this. This was like a concept that was floating around the Discord server, one of the Discord servers. And then randomly, uh, like right next to a multiverses uh, announcement, like one of the trailers reveals or something to that effect, so it was like right next to that was a Lego, this Lego platform fighter. I forgot what it's called, Lego Lego Battles or something like that. Yeah. And um, I was like, well, there goes your idea, man, because that's just a whole game with just that idea. <laughs> <laughs> which is also a good idea for a game. I, I, I'm excited to play that with my son. So it's it's called Lego Brawls. <sighs> I was close. Yeah, it's, they did have one that's called Lego Battles that came out in 2009. But the new oh, one okay. is called Lego Brawls. Okay. And I'm trying to pull up more information about it. It's currently on the App Store. but it Oh, is, so it is. You can play it right now. But they do have an announcement trailer for the through Nintendo Direct for the Switch. Okay. All right. I didn't and realize that it was... It's, and it looks like they have... Um, they do have a Steam page. So... Okay. I did not know that it was already playable. It's already playable if you have the Apple Arcade Store. Because it came out in September 19th of 2019 for iOS... Um, devices it was exclusive oh, interesting open. okay yeah but there's a port coming out for microsoft windows the xbox series playstation 4 and playstation 5 and the switch will be released in the summer of 2022 interesting so well, that's shortly. not far off yeah that's not far off from now at yeah. all yeah and it looks like you can play four player versus four player multiplayer game with the goal of controlling the center of the map until your team's color is full um, oh, it it's like a control with... point. Interesting. Yeah. The Brawl also comes with a training and party feature. The Brawl allows player a player to create their own hero to their liking with their own weapons and power-ups. As the pay player plays, the player will be rewarded with a mystery chest that, can, that will either have a, cosmic, a cosmetic element or a combat element. A collection oh. of playable minifigs characters are based on recognizable lego minifigs that have been released throughout lego history either as a part mm -hmm. of the lego construction sets as collectible minifigs or as part of one of the lego themes minifigs are grouped into different types including classic space pirates alien conquests uh, mm -hmm. castle western ninjago hidden side jurassic world vendillo or monkey kid interesting yeah. Well, I'm now I'm going to have to go on my uh, uh, iPad and see if I can find it. <laughs> In the meantime, we're going to take a short break. When we return, we will be talking about what we're playing right now. So stay tuned. Want to support the Irregulars? Head over to www.patreon.com backslash FC3ROC. We're part of the media division of Flower City Comic Con, based in Rochester, New York. We're a nonprofit group. Everything we make off of Patreon and everything else we do goes right back into putting on our future conventions and other events, from reserving the facilities to bringing in guests. If you pledge any amount, even a slim dollar, 
you will receive improved access to my blog entries, where every Tuesday I go over current video game news and write retrospectives on old school arcade games, all delivered conveniently to your inbox. There's plenty of other perks and rewards, and if you don't see what you're looking for, reach out to the crew. They'll be happy to work with you. Want to get a hold of us in particular? You can email Christy directly at k-r-i-s-s-i at fc3roc.org and me at j-a-m-e-s at fc3roc.org. At the moment, we're still working out most social media matters, but we are indeed on Facebook at Gaming Street Irregulars. Chrissy and I are fairly frequently there sharing news and things we find cool, and begging, I mean asking, for your questions and answers to be used in upcoming episodes. Yeah, asking. That's the ticket. We love hearing from you all, whether you have praise, constructive criticism, or just want to share something cool and gaming-related yourselves. Also, wherever you find FC3 on social media, we're usually not too far behind. So if you reach out to them with something for us, they'll get it to us shortly. Legally speaking, all music, sound effects, voice clips, and so on are the properties of their respective owners. We make no claim to them and have no intention of profiting off of them. Please don't sue us. We have nothing you'd want. Let's wrap up this episode with our newer segment, What We're Playing Today. And I'll mm. get us started. Chrissy, you, you, you would probably not be surprised by this, because we're get, gearing up to start a, a campaign of the G.I. Joe role-playing game. Mm-hmm. Oh, cool. <laughs> I've, yes. been, uh, I've been on such a kick of the franchise, I decided just to get a fix while we're waiting to get everybody uh, ready. I picked up the deck-building game from the same company. Okay. Oh, nice. And I have one word to describe this game. Hard. Yeah. <laughs> well, it is actually a game that has been written by Luke Gygus. So considering he that, is That's the RPG. That's the RPG. Fair enough. I don't know who wrote the deck, but I'm about to say if it's anything like if it's anything like the RPG written by Luke, whose father is Gary Gygus, who created D&D. Yeah, I can understand that description. I I will ju- <laughs> I will give you just the capsule description of why, you know, it's your standard deck builder uh setup where you start with a really weak deck and you recruit stronger cards and filter out some of your weaker cards but this adds a randomized element of dice (laughs) not simple six-siders with a one through six ratio they're custom dice where half of the results are misses oh interesting which really can throw a wrench into things and there are consequences for failing missions in this game yeah that's so you're talking about like a, a, an actual physical card game. Oh yeah, uh, we do physical I, gaming stuff too on this channel. Well, oh, yeah. that makes sense, but I didn't know that there was a GI Joe physical deck building game. Oh, indeed, it, it just released late last year. Oh, cool. Yeah, it's her Renegade. I know that. The, yeah, it's her Renegade Studios. I did. Uh, I know. I know that they're doing like there's a, there's a Street Fighter tabletop game now, and there's like there's what I was getting at just now, in an Avatar one. I, what I was just about to get at though is that it looks like a lot of different properties are now finding a way to be implemented into things like deck building games or tabletop role playing games and stuff like that. Yeah, because uh, for there's me, money for, in it. Yeah, for sure. Well, and for me, like gaming right now, uh, especially if we're open uh, across like not so much just uh, uh video games all i don't games. have 
Yeah, right now, video games right now, uh, I'm not really playing anything, uh, to be honest. Like, I'm kind of looking for something to play. Uh, I'm constantly, like, on the PlayStation Store, like, looking to see what's on discount and s- stuff like that. But I'm, like, I've been playing a lot of Street Fighter Five. That's what I've been doing lately. Like, that's to hold me over until, like, Street Fighter Six, <laughs> basically. But uh, my wife and I are playing D&D with uh, one of my son's friend's parents. And, okay. Uh, uh, we've been playing D&D with them for almost a year now, but we're, we haven't done that many sessions. We do like one session a month. Anyways, we've been playing D&D. And so like if I was going to bring up a game that I'm currently playing actively right now, it would probably be that. Uh, but we're playing. Um, it's it, it it's one of those canned, you know, like a. What do you call them? I, I don't I don't know what they're called. The, the DM is he just basically grabbed like these pre-made characters and we just okay, gave them our pre-made own adventure then. There you yeah. go. Yeah. Uh, but we gave them our own names and we've kind of built our own backstory. It's like this whole like returning to Fandolin and trying to bring Fandolin back up. And uh, that's the one uh, we're doing. Lost Minds of Fan- uh, Fandalver. Oh, interesting. Yeah. OK, cool. I didn't know what the name uh, of it was. But yeah, we're uh, we've made it a quite a bit through, you know, when we first made it to Fandolin, the town which was after already a couple, uh, we had a couple of uh, uh, situations that occurred before that. But when we finally made it to Fandolin, now uh, we're, we've basically cleared the quest log of Fandolin. <laughs> that is to say, when we got there, there was a bunch of different missions and quests that we were given. And now we have, we hold a manor there and we're, uh, we're uh, yeah, we took over a manor from the Red Brands and there's, uh, uh, we're, we're now the town leaders, uh, my group and I are, and yeah, it's it's been a ton of fun. But most of us are not, are kind of new. Like I've played tabletop games, but I've never stuck with a game this long. And my wife had never played before, and a couple of the other players hadn't ever played before. So the DM is the most experienced person, so he might be uh, fucking with us <laughs> quite a I'm bit. Gonna, We've I'm got some great a- tabletop RPG content on this podcast that That's I definitely awesome. encourage you to check sometime. Absolutely. Yeah, I currently um. I'm, I run a, I run, we were part of one that's every other Friday and we're actually currently running that adventure. I had to tweak it a lot to fit into the overarching, um, actually the overarching story. So they're doing the Lost Minds of Fandolin, but it's been retweaked greatly for them because of the ochre, actually the overarching story deals with something much more. So you're probably, so their experience in Fandolin is a lot different than yours is going to be, but no, he's, he's yeah. not messing with you. That's actually is what you're describing is the actual original story <laughs> for Fandolin. So yeah, no, he's, he's not messing with you at all. Like that's actually <laughs> what is ha- what happens in Fandolin. So yeah, we're we're in the last. We're we're actually we've cleared like the orcs and all this other stuff. We're, we're mm-hmm. right now. The next thing we're doing is the the mines. Uh, yep. We've got. Uh, Gundren is escorting us to the mines right now. Like that's yep. literally what our next, uh, what our next session is going to be, which I'm super stoked for. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's been fun, man. I, you know, uh, I've been drawing a bunch of shit from the game. Like when we're playing, I'm constantly like visualizing what we're doing, but our DM also creates these insanely complex, like builds for us, like table, like actual boards for us to play on. So like he, I mean, he goes all out with this. We're talking like with LED lights and like fog, uh, like a fog uh, uh, machine and all kinds of crazy shit that he's done to try to make it like really fun and lively. Uh, but uh, but yeah, man, I, it's been really enjoyable. I, I haven't played a lot of tabletops. I've done a little bit, mostly cyberpunk. But um, mm-hmm. 
I've enjoyed the hell out of this. It's been a lot of fun. So I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what we do after we finish this main Fandolin story arc, because I know he's got some other plans in place. Yeah, James, don't get your hopes up. You are not getting LED lights on Chris's table. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, no, I'm not, not getting I'm my not, hopes up because I know one word crazy. will wreck. I know one word that will wreck any of those plans. Juno. That is a very fair statement. Psycho dog will destroy everything, but she's so cute. She's so cute. Our our, our friend Chris, whose house we do it at, uh, he has mm-hmm. an Australian Shepherd. She's Aww. adorable as shit. She is chaos embodied in a dog. <laughs> That's we have a new dog. Uh, she's fifteen weeks now. Um, she is mm-hmm. a Australian Shepherd. Well, I think Husky Lab Austra- Australian Shepherd mix. So she's a bit of a mutt, but she is. Absolutely, I would call her chaos incarnate for sure. Yep. Yeah. Oh yeah. Nuclear you reactors to, with fur. Yep. You, yeah, you have the Australian Shepherd, which has no end to energy. The Lab, which is pretty much they just get they don't grow up, they just get bigger. And you have mm-hmm. the Husky, which is Houdini and fur. Yeah. Well, and empty. they're and they're talkative, and she is she definitely takes that part from the Husky because oh yeah they don't they don't shut up they'll talk yeah back. she doesn't shut up. They're, they're, yeah, they're teenagers. They they won't. They'll they'll talk back until you. They'll talk back and, until they die. Like yeah. our, like Oscar was half half German Shepherd, half Husky, Ooh. and so and he was a former police dog. So he also so he had the intelligence. He did not have the aggression, but he had the intelligence. Okay. And let me tell you, when he wanted to be sassy, he would <laughs> he would sit there and he will talk back. He would talk back with my mom for twenty minutes at the dinner table. <laughs> we would sit there and have dinner and when we were done he would give her a- he would give her attitude about the he wanted the dish there could be nothing on the dish and he still wanted to check the dish because he wanted to check the dish yeah 20 I, minutes well, he, he wants to he, he wants he to lick all the flavor that's left over man that's what he wanted he didn't care <laughs> and if you sat there and told him no he 20 minutes of him telling you no you will be giving me the dish hilarious oh my god he was so sassy um yeah no so so god help you kids and 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 that mix of dogs yeah yeah it's fun oh yeah you're kidding wait 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 until wait until they all band together (laughs) oh Oh, it's already started my my daughter my daughter who's uh well she's going on three uh Mm -hmm. my daughter and the dog are uh they, they they're in cahoots with each, oh. with each other constantly. Oh no! Yeah. Oh no! Yeah, this it's, is it's already started. And my wife, or my my daughter is, uh, uh, she's already very. Uh, I don't know how to how to explain it. She's uh, she's also chaos incarnate. She's she's she. she I, I like to say she's basically my personality with absolutely no inhibitions whatsoever. She she doesn't stop. If she has an idea in her head, she's just going to do it. And she's going to argue with you as she does it. Yeah, she's somehow. So her and the dog together make quite a tag team. So they pretty much they're both cute and they know it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. My daughter takes advantage of that everywhere she goes. She even does like the she does like the anime thing, the finger touch whenever she's doing something she's not supposed to or asking for something or begging for something where she taps her two index fingers together and like does the puppy dog face. She naturally knows how to do that. I don't know where she got it from whatsoever. She just started doing it when she was like a year old. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. So you're just an anime character. I th- I think it's instinct because my goddaughter does that too. She's four, and every so often when she knows she wants something, she knows the answer is going to be no. 
but she she'll go up to the parent that she knows is going to be the weakest one at <laughs> that moment and she, <laughs> and she does it and my best friend's like how does she know and i'm like they know <laughs> they just they, know they come out like that way I go, it's an instinct. I go, you probably did it too. She goes, I was never like that. Her mom will be on, her mom will be on video call. And she's like, no, you Mm did. (laughs) Oh, you did. It's amazing the things that we forget as we grow up. Oh yeah. Or we try to, or it's not that we forget. It's just that we purposely don't want to acknowledge. Fair enough. There's, there's an element of that too. (laughs) Something we don't want to forget is Spada's contact information. Yes. Oh, sure. (laughs) Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, if you, if you want to follow me on Twitter, which is like, I mean, I don't do a whole bunch there. It's mostly sharing my artwork and, and whatever my hot take is of the day, but yeah, you can follow me at Spada underscore LTO for Lost Tangent Outpost and, uh, obviously Lost Tangent Outpost on YouTube and, uh, on Instagram too. Uh, same username, Spada underscore LTO and yeah, uh, everything from art to hot takes about video games and movies and stuff like that. <laughs> Okay, so we are going to call it here. Uh, we'll be back in two weeks with a new episode. Next week, we're gonna I'm going to try and get another one from the backlog wrapped up. But we will see you then. Thank you so much for tuning in to Gaming Street Irregulars. We appreciate each and every one of you who gives us a listen, rates us on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you get your podcast. And we hope you enjoyed today's episode. Thank you again. And as always, game on. Bye, everyone. Bye, everybody.